1: KFI AM640. You're listening to Dean Sharp the House Whisperer on demand on the iHeart Radio app. Welcome to Home, where every week we help you better understand that place where you live. That is, I assume, home. Uh, I'm Dean Sharp the House Whisperer, here with you live like I am every weekend. Saturday mornings from 6 to 8 Pacific time, Sunday mornings 9 to noon Pacific time. We are your home for all things home and your house or if you just want to feel better about yourself or about your day, right? Talk radio. You can come here. You can get treated with respect and with dignity, with a friendly face and uh, well, face, and you can't see my face, but it's a pretty friendly face and a friendly voice and, uh, you know, just uh, get a little love and some advice uh, for your home along the way. Why not? Why not feel better about everything? by uh hanging out and listening to us for a while because that's what we're all about right tina yes as she looks off into the distance (laughs) yes i'm just wondering are you thinking what are you saying or is this true uh both (laughs) oh my gosh all right that's it she's honest if if nothing else she's completely honest all right uh we are uh, in the middle of our uh, ongoing series, Building Your Dream. Today, we're talking about avoiding uh, major pitfalls at the beginning of the design process. We're gonna get back to that in a bit. But uh, right now, we're doing the phones and uh, I've got Anne on the line. We're carrying her over from last segment. Anne, are you still with me?
2: Yeah, I'm here, Dean, thank you.
1: Okay, so Anne's got a weird situation where mm-hmm. uh, her furnace is uh, pumping out cold air not heating the house upstairs properly, pumping out cold air through the return air vent, which should never be the case. Uh, so, and <clears throat> all right, I gave it some thought. I had a calm, meditative moment here while we were waiting <laughs> okay. to come back. I had another sip of coffee and I'm thinking, hmm, 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 hmm. Okay, so there's only a couple of things that I can uh, suggest to you, but I'm feeling pretty strong about this, okay? Mm-hmm. One thing that that uh, that you mentioned is that you had, that somebody changed the furnace out on you and that uh, before your old furnace and the duct system and everything was working just fine. But uh, somebody said, okay, it's time to change the furnace out. It's too old. or It's this or that. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, there's a couple of things that I want you to be aware of. Number one, uh, uh, and and you've had technicians come and look at it and check it and it's working new furnace. It's working fine. Okay. Let's assume the new furnace is working fine. If that's the case, if the new furnace really is working just fine, it only leaves a couple of situations left, okay? It leaves the ductwork, okay? That's what Mm -hmm. is left over. Uh, And two things specifically in regards to the ductwork, and I'm not going to be able to narrow it down any more than this, but two things specifically. Mm -hmm. Number one, if this is a more powerful furnace with a more powerful fan, but the old ductwork was not enlarged or changed out to accommodate it. Then this furnace may be struggling with pumping out air at the pressure that it needs to. It may be forcing a leak, forcing to shut itself down, clicking off prematurely at the furnace even before the heating has uh, been achieved. There could be all number of problems. Think about the like the idea like in a car where you know we, we've. Uh, We've uh, pulled out the old uh, four-cylinder engine and we put in a V10 and we've kept the exhaust pipe the exact same size, right? It starts choking. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of problems that can result from that. So one mm-hmm. really important question, and I know the technicians have looked at the furnace, but one really important question is based on the new tech, uh, the the new specifications of this furnace, uh, are the ducts in need of size changing or at least the the plenum coming off of the furnace at least the initial point that's question one uh you don't need to answer that but it's just that's the first question but the thing that i think is even more likely the case when it comes to the duct work is that somewhere or maybe in more than one place We've got some uh, some untaped seams around the return air vent and untaped seams up in the main ductwork, which didn't get changed out. Even if it had been changed out, this is where the problem most likely lies. And the next technician that comes out, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell them mm-hmm. that you want them to run a pressure test on the ducts, okay? They don't have to go up there crawling through all the insulation, inspecting every linear inch of duct work. But what they can do is they can close off the vents and they can pressurize the duct system, take the furnace out of the loop and pressurize the duct system. And guess what? If there's a leak, then they won't be able to build sufficient pressure and that leak will become apparent or leaks, plural, become apparent. Because what it sounds like is that we're getting very, very cold air, attic air infiltration into the system. Okay, Uh, that not only, you know, because as as air moves down a pipe or a, a duct system, if there is a split in the in the duct or a leak in a connection point in the duct, that also creates a vacuum and it will pull cold air from the attic along with it. And that would explain hot and cold air both coming out of a duct and it would explain the cold air neutralizing the hot air that the furnace is trying to blow upstairs and not succeeding at blowing upstairs because you know, you're know you trying to warm up your soup and people keep dropping ice cubes into it, okay? And so mm-hmm. it's just not getting there. So I am, yeah, I'm relatively certain. I would say I'm 95% certain at this point that the problem is somewhere hiding amongst the ducts and uh, and that the technician who comes out needs to not like focus solely on, is this furnace working okay? Fine, the furnace is fine. Let's get to the pipes coming off the furnace. Number one, make sure they're the right size for this unit. And number two, make sure that all of them are insulated properly and none of them are leaking because that's what we would expect to see weird cold hot air combos when a duct is sucking cold air out of the attic.
2: Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Dana. It's really good. I just have one little uh, clarification I need because I, from what you're saying, I'm I'm feeling like did you say that there's a, um there's a connection from the furnace itself to the very first connection that it makes to I, I guess the ducts, so, which might be really right there at that point. Is that yes, true? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. There is a. Yeah. That's, that's where what what I we want call, them to
2: look because yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's what we call a plenum. It's a plenum, which is a box essentially that that is built off the end of the furnace, the blowing end of the furnace, and then out of that box comes in multiple directions uh, all the main trunk ducts uh, for the rest of the house. And that plenum, if it's leaking, oh yeah, it feeds in everything, everything, everything. And thank you so much for your question. It was really good. It was really good for everybody to listen to it, kind of picture what's going on with their uh, air conditioning and furnace system as well. You know what? When we come back, uh, I'm going to, we'll take uh, another call or two. The number to reach me, 833 2 ask Dean. 833, the number two, Dean. you You're home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, on demand from KFI AM 640. Beautiful, sunny, blustery Sunday morning here in Southern California. I hope the weather where you are at is not bugging you. I hope you are in sync with it, staying away from it or out in it, whatever the case may be. It's tricky. It's tricky during the dead of winter, right? Some people are, uh, you know, lounging out in uh, warm weather right now. Some people are buried under several feet of snow. Some people, it's just ice and freezing. Who knows? Who knows? But wherever you are, I hope you are warm and dry and safe and uh, loving the day for what it is offering you regardless. And I'm glad you're here with us as well thanks for joining us on the program we're having our uh, ongoing series building your dream today we're talking about step three along the way which is avoiding some very very uh, big important mistakes in the early design process getting back to that right after uh, well soon very soon Uh, right now though i just want to take at least one more call before we return to our conversation and uh, so let's talk to karen hey karen welcome home
2: Yes, I'm here. Good morning, Dean. Hello? Good morning. How can I help you? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, the question I have, I have shades, one living room shade I have problem with because the window is 92 by 56. It's a very large window, but I have a beautiful view up on a hill. So, uh, what I want to know, if you can, and I have, I, I don't want to fix that one anymore because every two years, every year, they have to come out and fix it. It is, you know, it ha- it's a pleated window shade that has little strings inside, so you know, you, I know you know the company. Uh-huh, but anyway, uh-huh. what i <laughs> yeah, so what I'm asking, if you could recommend a shade for me for that window. That blocks the sun because I'm on the west side, and I have, and the sun beats in all summer long. Yet I can look out and see the view, and nobody can look in.
1: Okay, so you so you want to be able to now your pleated shade right now that uh, that allows mm-hmm. you to see out.
2: No, it does not. It's beautiful. It looks like drapes, you know. It's white, has pleats but I can't see out. Once all summer long, I don't have a view. And it, it barely shapes the sun, but it does block the sun somewhat, but it, I cannot see out.
1: Okay, okay. Um, and, yeah. But you want to on the new unit, the, the you know, yes, whatever you I use. Yes,
2: would, you, mm, you, because if, I, if you, I want to see the view and I don't want to have it down, you know, all the time uh, okay. to block the sun.
1: All right, well, you got a couple of options there, uh, you know, a uh, couple of options. And I understand, and it's kind of, here's the thing, uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, those pleated shades, uh, pleated shades in general. That's not the problem. The problem is that, uh, and I wish this was more the case, is that uh, a, a higher quality uh, shade like that, uh, the company who's manufacturing them should take into account a larger window. Uh, because that really, you know, if you got a, you know, a, a 90 inch tall window with that, that's going more than five feet wide. You can't just put little dental floss uh, <laughs> strings inside control because there's a lot of weight and relative to, you know, in the world of shades, there's a lot of weight pulling down on that thing. And so uh, they need to use, you know, that's been a complaint of ours for a long time. Is that uh, some companies need to upgrade their hardware and uh, use you know thicker cords, uh, stronger cords inside, so that they don't keep breaking on people. So what would be perfectly fine strings inside the the shade for a two foot wide or three foot wide window that's only four feet tall is not going to work for a five and a half foot you know a wide window that's that's almost eight feet tall. So understood. Now what are your options? Well. Uh, as far as light blocking, uh, it, the 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 most foolproof option there would be a roller blind, a roller blind, okay? Now, it's not pleated, but uh, it will uh, roll up out of the way when you don't want it. It'll roll down, and it's just the roller at the top. You can buy them manually for with a chain or a string on the side, or these days it's not very much to get... A a battery operated motorized one with a little remote so you can control it from across the room if you want to. That will, uh, and those blinds can come, those shades, I should say, could come in uh, full blackout or the translucent, light filtering, uh, very, very thin, uh, and some of them, and you're going to have to shop these out. But some of them are sheer enough that they can actually reduce the amount of light and glare uh, coming in through the window, but still allow you to see through them out. Now, they 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 also will allow somebody to see in at nighttime, uh, so that has to be taken into account. Now, there is another form of roller uh, shade out there, uh, babe. Do you know the uh, the the brand that? Uh, Jason and Christy have put on their window. It's another form of roller shade that actually comes in a double roll. And the double roll has these offset panels in them so that they can be closed up and lined up so that there's privacy. But while the shade is down, they can be misaligned with each other so you can see out some some of the the lines. Um, We'll have to look into that. If we can find that before the end of the show, we'll let you know what those are as well. So that's your option when it comes to fabric shades. And then, of course, the other option would be a good quality blind, like a mini blind kind of situation. Again, though, good quality. I would recommend like a wood blind with nice heavy cords on it. A wood blind, of course, directionally, you can see out of it and still angle it so that the, the light isn't coming through. Nothing you know, huge like shutters, uh, unless that works for you, but those Those are the most expensive, but a good quality wood blind uh, that you can direct the sunlight. And we have no qualms about those whatsoever. It's just a matter of quality. Uh, Most of the time when I critique mini blinds or things like that, it's because uh, the window is too big. The homeowner has wanted to uh, save too much money in getting them installed. So they went out and bought, you know, like a six foot wide vinyl mini blind set. And it's going to be the same problem again. They're going to sag in the center. The cords are going to give way at some point because they're they're just, they're, they're hauling up too much weight. But a better quality company that does this uh, with the intent of making really, really fine blinds and shades for larger size windows. And you can find them out there. You can search the internet and specifically say that, put that into your search parameters. Okay. Quality. Shades and blinds for oversized windows. And you'll start to see the manufacturers uh, popping up. What was that, babe?
2: They may be called Zebra Line
1: Shades. Zebra Line Shades. So look into Zebra Line Shades as well. More than one manufacturer of those, but they've become a popular option. Karen, thank you for your call. Thanks for the question. I hope that helps. Uh, You just have some more research and some shopping to do around, but that's the direction that I would send you in. All right, y'all, when we return, back to our conversation about uh, the four missteps, mistakes, potholes, things to avoid at the beginning of the design process. Uh, We've talked about not holding uh, the design accountable to the fundamentals. When we return, mm, this is a toughie, but so important, not thinking like a custom homeowner or a designer. Yeah. You've been trained not to think that way. We got to make up for that and change that direction. We'll talk about that when we return. You're home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp. On demand from KFI AM 640. So glad you have taken the time to join us uh, today on the program. If you're just joining us right now, hey, thanks for popping in in the second hour of our show. We are glad that you are here. Uh, In just a bit, by the way, we will be going back to the phone. So we're not done with that yet today either. You know, we do that near the top of the hour every hour of the show. Uh, So uh, if you're already on the line, you may want to hold tight. If you haven't called in yet, here's the number, 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833, the numeral 2, and then you just spell out Ask Dean. 833 to ask Dean. See, it's just that simple, to ask Dean a question. Uh, we will be doing that again in just a bit, but call now. Jump into the queue. You'll talk to producer Richie. He'll tell you everything you need to know, get you set up. You can listen to the show while you wait on hold, and who knows? You and I, we can put our heads together. We'll figure out what's going on with your home. Design, construction, DIY, anything you want. There we go. All right. Let us move forward in our conversation about the uh, four big pitfalls, the four most common mistakes that happen early on in, uh, potentially early on in the design process. And we want to avoid them. We want to stay out of the way of them. We want to swerve. We want to, You do not want to fall into one of these holes. Where have we been so far? Well, we talked about, number one, ignoring something that's already gone wrong with the house. Ignoring that as if, oh, there's no trauma that's happened to this house. We don't have to deal with that. Let's just move on to the new stuff we want to talk. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's not how you get a dream home. Now, you can do it, okay? But just understand the, the, the title of the series we're going through is Building a Dream Home, okay? Not just building another thing on the thing that was already wrong. So number one was ignoring something that's already gone wrong. We want to avoid that like the plague. Number two was not holding the new designs accountable to the fundamentals of design. Just wanted to sear that into your brain. Now, starting with our next uh, program in our next episode in this series we will be dipping our toe into exactly what the fund, those fundamentals are. But just know for today, they're out there. They're real. And they must be obeyed. Uh, <clears throat> number three, this is where we're at. And this is, a, this is one of the actual, I mean, it's easy for me to explain this one, but I got to tell you, it's one of the ones that is most difficult for people to do. Really? I mean, really. Because pitfall number three, your brain. That's right. <laughs> You, you are pitfall number three. And I only mean that in the uh, in this one particular way. You have not been trained to think like a custom homeowner. I mean, maybe you have, but very few of you have. Very, very few of you have. And you really need to get there. If we're talking about a dream home, if we're talking about your dream remodel, that dream addition, whatever the case may be, the renovation, whatever, I really 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 want to encourage you and help you in any way I can to start thinking like a custom home owner like well what does that look like Dean mm-hmm. I know this may seem a little abstract okay but I want you to hold with me because it really isn't Uh, This is not theoretical. It's not abstract. This is not a notional idea. This is so uber practical when it comes to the success or failure of your project. Just because we're talking psychology here doesn't mean that this isn't as real as instructions of how to fix your toilet, which I'm also happy to give you. But uh, this, far, far more important. Your brain, not thinking like a custom homeowner. And it basically, it's this what does it look like to not think like a custom homeowner it means that if you are just a mainstream american homeowner you have out of necessity for uh, the majority of your life and certainly for your home owning life you have been trained to make do with what you got now there's nothing wrong with that in fact i go out of my i've done whole segments of shows on the idea of how great it is to develop the skill of making do with what you've got. In other words, taking what you have and making the most out of it. That's not the kind of making do I'm talking about here. Because if we are talking about dreaming the big dream, if we're talking about dreaming something super custom, then we actually have to lay aside our tendency to make do with what we've got and to see the space differently. Essentially, what I'm telling you to do is I want you to be more demanding. I want you to be a more demanding uh, person when it comes to, not other people, don't, don't be that way. No, no. I want you to be a more demanding of the space, demanding that the space fits your needs instead of you making do with whatever the space is offering you at the moment. Okay, does that make sense? I hope so. Uh, we just met a, a, a new pair of friends and uh, clients—just absolutely uh, gorgeous, lovely people. We just Tina and I just fell in love, uh, and uh, and we're going to have an ongoing relationship with them and helping them with their house. And uh, just this week, uh, met them. And I got to tell you, one of the things that we spent a little bit of time talking about was this, they actually have an architect uh, who's done a great, fantastic job for them. And uh, I think tomorrow, uh, their plans are ready to come out of plan check. In other words, they may be issued a building permit tomorrow. And yet there were still some questions about, "Mm, could you kind of come and take a look at things? And and Tina and I ended up pointing out some issues with flooring design and this and that, the layout of a couple of rooms, but most importantly, this one main room, which is like kind of the, the, the big game changer, great room, most important public entertaining space for them and all their guests. And the more questions I asked about how they were planning on living in the space, The more sense I got, and this is super common, was just like, yeah, you know, I don't know, we kind of, there's the fireplace over there, and there's the big window there. And, you know, well, I guess we're going to figure out where the furniture is going to go. And that's when I like pumped the brakes and I'm like, wait, wait, you're designing this room now. Now is the moment before we commit to building this room as is for you to superimpose upon this room the demand that this space exactly mirrors and accommodates what you want to be doing in this space. In other words, what direction you want to be looking? This happens to be a beach house, okay? So guess which direction everybody wants to look? Yeah, right out the big window to the beach. So should we be looking in the opposite direction uh, when it comes to the fireplace or watching television? I just raised that question. Maybe the answer is yes. And that's exactly, entirely acceptable if for them, that's what they wanted to do. But once I raised the question, what became apparent was they became self-aware of the fact that, uh, you know what, we've just been so happy to get this planning process finished that we haven't really injected ourselves into each space and forced ourselves to think, wow. Is this exactly how we want to live here? They're so used to. All of you are so used to making do with the space that you've got. Yeah, we'll just figure it out. We'll make the furniture fit. All right. I'm going to tell you a story right on the other side of the news. Uh, you've heard uh, Tina and I talking lately about the, the little shed that we built in our backyard, the garden room. Okay. People have looked at it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is like an adult treehouse. This is a fantasy zone. This is a... creativity, all sorts of lovely compliments that people have paid us about the garden room, which is essentially a shed in our backyard. But I want to explain to you very briefly how the dimensionality, the shape and the location of that shed came about. It did not start where you might think it started. It started in a very, very specifically demanding place. And I want to use it as an example of you getting your brain around the idea of, uh, making do and in this case not it's really really important we'll talk about that right on the other side of the news you're home with dean sharp the house whisperer you're listening to home with dean sharp on demand from kfi am 640. you have found us right in the middle of our uh, ongoing series uh, that we've started here in 2024 building your dream home a step-by-step guide Yesterday and today's program, step three, avoiding the four big mistakes as we begin the design process. We're on number three right now. And uh, I've been uh, telling you, this is a toughie. It's a toughie, not to explain, but it's a toughie to achieve because this has to do with you. You are pitfall number three. You, your brain. And specifically, that's not an insult, it's just this. Uh, you haven't been trained to think like a custom homeowner, and what I mean specifically by that, you have not been trained to think uh, in a demanding way of the space. You, what you have been trained as a person who has purchased a tract home, your whole life lived in tract homes, your whole life is that uh, you know you you make do. You you get into a space. Listen, we saved. And we saved and we struggled and we're so proud that we got into this home. This is the home we could afford. And yeah, it was pre-built for us ahead of time. And so guess what we also did? We got creative and we made do. I applaud that on every imaginable level. That's exactly the kind of human being I want you to be. A person who, you know, makes lemonade out of lemons. A person who makes do. Somebody who's not entitled. Somebody who doesn't put their nose in the air and walk away from opportunities like that. Somebody who is grateful and appreciative and non-critical. All of those things. I love you for that. Be that person, please. Okay? That, that kind of person makes the world a better place. That's not... What I'm talking about here, I am not telling you to become an entitled, demanding person. Nobody likes those people. I don't want you to be demanding of other people or ungrateful for what you have. But, but if you are engaging in a dream home renovation or a brand new build or a, a, a dream home room addition, whatever the case may be, whatever we're doing to your home building it from the ground up or changing what's there, whatever we're doing, if this is the dream, if this is the dream home push, right, then I am telling you, don't be demanding of other people, but be demanding, mercilessly demanding of the space and your design of the space, neither of which have feelings that you can hurt. The space doesn't have feelings that you can hurt and your current design of the space has no feelings That you can hurt and I want you to be demanding of that to achieve your goals now I'm not telling you that that space has to look this way or that way what I am telling you is that it has to live up to your most stringent demands don't make do so I'm telling you to go against your instincts go against everything else that on any other day of the week is exactly how you want to live your life okay for this thing Raise the bar, hold the bar. Now, I promised you I would tell you a little story about how the uh, little shed that's in our backyard, one of our romantic little destinations, it is a shed, okay? It's not insulated. Its studs are exposed. Its roof rafters are exposed. And yet, uh, you know, it's pretty cool inside. Uh, We actually took a luxurious paint and we painted all of those exposed studs. So you walk into the room and you feel like it's completely finished out, but it's a shed. Okay. Uh, How did it come to be? Well, a while back, a couple of years ago, actually, uh, Tina expressed to me, she's like, you know what? We've got room in the yard because we have a pretty good sized yard and uh, we don't want to expand the size of the house because we're very comfortable there. But she's like, you know what? I want a place. And we talked about and talked about it. I want a space. And this is what we want to get done there. Uh, Puzzles, that we don't have to pick up and move uh, because uh, they're on the dining room table and now we've got guests coming over. So a permanent place to do puzzles, uh, to write, uh, to nap, to dream, uh, to read, uh, to spend time together, the two of us. And this place has got to be comfy and creative and funky and eclectic. And it has to just kind of free up our minds, a place to rest and just free up our minds. and just an altered space, altered consciousness space. So all of those things got listed out. And guess what? We demanded, demanded that the space we ended up with touched and hit, pushed all of those buttons. Okay. And any design, and there were several other design iterations than the one we have right now. uh, Any design iteration that fell short, or exceeded that were cast aside. We're like, no, that's too much. Nope, that's not enough. And so literally in this situation, when we decided where are we going to put it in the yard? What do we want to be seeing when we look out the windows? We decided, well, one side, when we're doing puzzles, we want to look out and look at the chickens. It literally now is part of the chicken yard. It is in the chicken yard. It's why we call it the garden room. It's out in the garden. And you look out the windows and the chickens are right on the other side uh, of this one wall. The other doorway looks out over the, uh, the whole expanse of the rest of our backyard. That was the other requirement. So that dictated where this was going to go in the yard. And then the activities basically boiled down to, well, we're going to need some bookshelves, a little phonograph in there, a little drinks cart, the puzzle table, and a two-person chaise lounge. Because those things are the essential elements in order to get done all of the things that were on our list. So what did we do? We found the chaise lounge that we wanted before we ever built or finished the design on the garden room, purchased that chaise. We found the puzzle table that we wanted, purchased the puzzle table, found the drinks cart, purchased it, took all of their dimensions. And then we said, all right, therefore, with these three things in here, how big does this room have to be? We measured out the dimensions that we needed space-wise in between them. And that's how the garden room came to be the size, the shape, the location, and the orientation that it is in. One simple principle driving the whole thing. Demanding, without compromise, that the space meet our needs. That the space conform to our needs and then not us making do with whatever we've been given. Why? Because this was a brand new dream build for us. And your dream home, your project, okay? This is the hard part. You are the third pitfall. Your brain not thinking like a custom homeowner. You cannot afford to go into your dream design project thinking like a tracked homeowner. You must think like a custom homeowner because a tract homeowner, which you have been, and you, are, and you are a good person for being this, you make do with what you've been given. But if we're redesigning something, no, no. There's no more making do with what you've been given. You demand that the new design meets your needs instead of you making do with what it's offering. You permit yourself to solve problems without regard to budget. That's another thing. We'll talk about this as well before we're done and uh, you need to do the hard work of imagining your life in micro steps inside each space so that you know that everything is going exactly where it should be. Does that make sense? I hope so. I know it's psychological, but you know what? It's design and this is what manifests itself visibly in your home. You get this wrong, everything's going to be wrong. Sorry. That's just the way it is. All right. When we come back, maybe we'll take a call and we'll continue this conversation. You are home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer on KFI. This has been Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Tune into the live broadcast on KFI AM 640 every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 Pacific time and every Sunday morning from 9 to noon Pacific time or anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.
0: Every day